0: gruesome your horrific true crime podcast this is episode eight the kidnapping and murder of Polly class I'm Connie along with the local Tupac conspiracy theorist Meg and she is going to take you through this horrific story
1: so Polly's story hits a little close to home for me For a few reasons that I will explain briefly. In episode two of Gruesome, I shared my own abduction story. And I'll briefly touch on that just to give you a quick recap of that episode. So if you're like new, a new listener. Yeah, if you just happened to drop by. So I, when I was 10, had walked two blocks away from my house to meet a friend. I didn't see that friend. And as I walked home, I was pulled into a van and taken by a man that I didn't know. I was molested and held against my will, But after 24 hours, I escaped. And in that episode, after I explained this, I talked a little bit about how my parents taught us different safety techniques, like having a password if a stranger were to come and say Mm -hmm. that my mom had sent them to pick me up. And they taught us those techniques because of this case, because of Polyclass. I was born and raised for a time in the Northern Bay region of California in Santa Rosa, and that's roughly 20 minutes away from Petaluma, California. My mom's best friend, who I called Auntie, she lived in Petaluma, so we were in that area frequently. And that's uh-
0: still like it seven days degrees from kevin bacon like everything <laughs> is so crazy how small the world is
1: yes it's all very close and so that's why i chose this case i know that it, ha- it has been covered several times but it just still i called to me i don't know what <laughs> and, and abduction cases tend to do that i find them very interesting like I have pulled several of those cases that I would like to cover, I think, just because I can see. You have a very unique perspective That's that a I very, can... That's like, nice way to put it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that I could probably bet money that it doesn't matter, I mean... I guess I'm just I'm just gonna say it It doesn't matter which type of podcast how big it is is covering it I can pretty much guarantee no one can look at it like well this is the type of fear that someone has in this situation because I experienced
1: I can and when I was writing this I was I could feel it like I was yeah I know exactly what must have been going through her head like not exactly yeah and I think like I mean honestly probably exactly because
0: it's the same I mean obviously outcomes Extremely different, polar opposite different, but the feeling itself, it would have to be the same. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. And like, even like, I can't, I can cover abduction cases until I'm blue in the face. And I'm still not. I mean, I can empathize with the victims, but I could never be like, I know exactly how you feel or how they felt, because, I mean, thankfully I've never been in that
1: situation. But- <laughs> I'm thankful <in laughs> sure you haven't been in this situation either.
0: Yeah, because we all know.
1: <laughs> eh. So, on um, so on October 1st, 1993, Polly Class, who was 12 years old at the time, was kidnapped at Knife Point during a slumber party at her mother's home in Petaluma, California. Polly was a normal 12-year-old girl. She attended middle school at Petaluma Junior High, where she played clarinet, she got straight A's, and she hung out with her friends. Polly and her friends, Jillian and Kate, had planned a Friday night slumber party after school at Polly Class's mother's house. Eve Nickel, or at- and the I remember like being twelve and having having slumber parties. Oh my gosh, you, it was the best! Like that was the time to have the slumber party. I actually
0: just and it's the nineties, so I feel like automatically it was a better time than what it is right now having slumber parties.
1: Yeah, there was no social media. You were just like making up songs and dances and hanging and recording
0: out. them on like the like we used to record them on like the boombox with like a blank tape and <laughs> yeah. then just like you keep recording i think i was a weather girl for like five years of my <laughs> young life
1: that's adorable
0: <laughs> and then my big gate so and it's actually funny i just have stalked facebook marketplace to find a mall madness did you like find gay, one i am in the process of negotiating this extremely high price but yes like just those type of board they don't do that anymore and so like you it's so wholesome, like just going to your friend's house or having friends over. You ate like crap food, talked to maybe prank called, but you don't know. It's like such a good, you don't expect anything like this to happen and at that's, a slumber party. Yeah,
1: and that's exactly what they were doing. Polly and her friend Jillian, Jillian got to her house at about seven and they walked up to a convenience store and bought popsicles and they walked back, sat on that front stoop and waited for Kate to show up. And Kate's mom dropped her off between 8 and 9. And when Kate's mother got back to her car, she noted that there was a man walking straight toward her car. Like, he was going to walk right into it. So she, like, scared him and jerked her car forward and drove away. But she noted that it was strange. Yeah,
0: I mean, that would be strange. Yeah. Is this, like, a do we know if it's, like, a nice area or... Um, Is it a little shaky in areas?
1: No, it just says that she lived. It's it's not a sketchy area at all. It's just a neighborhood in California. Um, okay. there. I mean, there are sketchy neighborhoods in California, but they're all just pretty n- normal in that area. Uh, she li- Like I said, she lived with her mom and her little sister Annie, who was six, but her parents were actually divorced. Mark and Eve divorced, and they had been divorced since Polly was... Two and a half. Okay. So the three girls finally get into their slumber party mode and they're hanging out in Polly's room. They're playing Nintendo. They're practicing Halloween makeup. They're playing the board game Perfect Match. Oh. <laughs> so yes, it's exactly like we thought. Wholesome and content. Eve told the girls not to stay up too late and she and Annie went to bed around 10 o'clock. They, Eve said that they went to her bedroom, and Eve read for a little bit, and they both fell asleep in her room. Around 1030, Polly got up and opened the door of her bedroom to retrieve the girls' sleeping bags, but when she opened the door, there was a broad-bearded man with tattooed arms and a hand grasping a large kitchen knife standing there. In her house. In her house, yep. And he looked at the girls, and he said, Don't scream or I'll slit your throats.
0: Uh, I just got the shivers.
1: Yeah, it's gross. He made them all lie face down on the floor and told them, don't look at me. I'm not going to hurt any of you if you just do what I say. So this man was Richard Allen Davis and he, his criminal record stretched back to the 60s. And this was 1993. So since he was a kid, burglary, robbery, assault, kidnapping—all the things—I could legitimately do an entire hour-long episode just about his criminal record and not this case.
0: Did they have? An, did they have the uh, three-strike law yet in California?
1: So Rich Davis is part of the reason that this three-strike law passed. So it. Oh, okay. Which is why he kept getting out of jail.
0: That's so insane. Like, you think about it now, and like, yeah, people can still have like a very spotted criminal background, but not, you wouldn't think they would have all that. And they're just like, hey, I'm going to do another horrible thing because usually they wind up in jail.
1: Yeah, no, he had just been paroled in June of 93 from Jesus Christ. Yeah, from the California men's colony in San Luis Obispo for good behavior, but he was serving. He served eight of a 16 year sentence for kidnapping a woman and forcing her to withdraw $6,000 from her bank account. So he had already kidnapped someone before, but they let him out on good behavior. That's that's insane. Yeah. And that prison, the prison he went to is considered like a country club of prisons because it's got a lot of like vocational and educational and psych treatment programs. of course. So they were like, oh, he's being good. Let him out, even though his criminal record is horrific. So anyways, Davis tied up these three girls using a bunch of different stuff. He particularly used like the silky white cloth. He cut the cords from Polly's Nintendo. Rude. And he also used a strap from one of her purses. He gagged them with those same cloths and took all of the pillowcases off of the pillows and covered their heads. And Ah. at first, when they first saw this guy standing there and they were like, this is a very elaborate prank because... Polly was a well, bit you of a think, jokester.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you don't think of – you think like if someone – I mean, not like you think of a girl walking down the street. You don't think of someone – or even like walking outside of their house. Like I've heard cases where they're walking – they walk right out their door and they're taken. Not their – it's it's not a very
1: – Yeah, they, it's so rare for them to come inside the home, find out who lives there, and take that person.
0: Yeah, that's that's that 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 part gives me like the reason I have so much security that I have at my house.
1: (laughs) So Jillian, she was like she realized it wasn't a joke after he covered their heads with the pillowcases. Mm -hmm. And the girls noted in their testimony that Davis seemed pretty calm at first, but he was surprised that there was more than one girl in the room. Oh, okay. He asked who lived at the house. And he took Polly with him. He said to show him where the valuables were in the home. But then once Polly told him that her mother was in the house, he seemed to get a little frantic. But Polly was like, don't hurt my mom and sister. I have $50. Take this. Oh. Yeah. And he told the other girls to count to a 1,000. And when they were done counting, Polly would be back and he would be gone. And this all happened in like 10 minutes. That is
0: terrifying.
1: Yeah. So those the girls, they counted. They counted for a few minutes, and they heard the screen door shut. And when they felt like it was safe, Jillian and Kate went and woke Eve up and told her everything. And Eve called. Oh, can you imagine? No, and that's the thing. Eve called 911 around 11 o'clock. And in it, she, in the 911 call, at first she sounds like confused, She says, apparently, my daughter was just taken from inside of my house. And then you can hear the panic start to build because nothing else was taken from the house except for Polly and one pair of child-sized red tights.
0: Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like where I think that's going.
1: So little segue. N- not related to Polly but also related to Polly. So there's a babysitter of a woman in Santa Rosa and this babysitter had just been relieved of her shift but it was late around 20 ish So
0: this is like parallel time. Yeah, pretty much okay, parallel like parallel a little
1: time after but parallel <laughs> parallel timing, yes. So she's October 1st 1993 at about 1115 at night, she gets off of her shift. The woman who owns the house comes to the woman whose house she is babysitting at comes home and lets her go. So the babysitter is driving down this long private drive to the house. And on this long private drive, she sees a white Ford Pinto, which is Davis's car, stuck in a ditch along their driveway. And the babysitter... Her name is Shannon. She said that the man approached her car because she stopped to ask him if he was illiterate or just not obeying private road signs. (laughs) Which like, what a bad Bad bitch. What a bad bitch, (laughs) yeah. What, you just illiterate? Um, Can't you fucking read? He asked her for a rope because he was stuck, but she was like, no. And she noted that the man was, he smelled awful. He had bad breath and that his long sleeve shirt was inside out. But she had insulted him and he demanded that she get out of the car and tell him what's up the road. But Shannon stayed in her car and she was like, the people that live up the road in that house are going to call the police. And she peeled out of there and drove immediately to a payphone because 1993 Mm -hmm. and she called the woman. Whose child she was watching her name was Dana she called that woman and told her that there was a really scary guy in her driveway and Dana was smart she got her 12 year old daughter in the car and they left they were like nope we're noping out of here and they saw the pinto in the driveway but there was no one in it or around it so they just drove to a payphone and called police by 1146 so 15 minutes after that it's about midnight the Sonoma County sheriff's deputies arrive and they meet Dana near her private road but because Sonoma County county and petaluma pd use different radio frequencies sonoma county doesn't know about polly's abduction yet and she doesn't know about the suspect description which fit his exactly because it was him yes so the deputies, they come and question Rich Davis, who we should note is now alone less than two hours after he has ad- abducted Polly. Nope. Don't like that. Yeah. They're like, this guy, he smells like booze, but we don't think he's drunk. So they pull his license plate number and they transpose it wrong. So when they oh, run it, they Jesus get the wrong I know. It's just a, a hot Hot mess. Davis tells them that he was sightseeing and he tried to turn around in the driveway, but he got stuck. So now he needs help getting out. So the cops borrow a chain from Dana Jaff, the owner of the house, and they help him out. And he oh. gets he gets on the road and he's gone by twelve forty-five, October second. The file the police close up that file at about twelve forty six. I think that's what it said.
0: I don't even like continue because I have so I'm just speechless right
1: now. <laughs> so Polly's abduction was one of the first times that the internet was able to be used to search for missing persons. These two guys, Gary French and Bill Rhodes from Petaluma, digitized her missing child poster. Um, and another guy named Larry Majid spread this poster through a ton of different networks. So it was seen by 20 million users, which was crazy in 1993. Which, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why so many people knew about and were so invested in this case. Yeah. And it's the reason that we still use technology like this to help find missing children. And remember, like me and my family were in this area when this was happening. I interviewed my mom a little bit about what was going on because she was a young mom with three kids in the area and what the climate was like. And she said it was awful. But she said it was similar to when I was taken. When the community in that Bay Area found out that Polly was gone, they all came together and started looking for this girl. The ground search covered like a 1,000 square miles. The air search, 3,000 square miles. There was thousands and thousands of volunteers doing anything they could for nine weeks. Uh Ugh. Everyone was helping. The press came to Petaluma. Winona Ryder offered $200,000 for her return. So this has
0: to be, this is one of the first like nation, a case that goes nationwide.
1: Worldwide. Yeah. Worldwide. Yeah. It was everywhere. Anyone who had access to the internet and was in that network got her poster. And it was the first time it was clear and easy to see and that they... Everyone knew. And so at that point, did the the sheriff's department be like, oh, shit. No. What? No. They searched for Polly for nine weeks. Her mom lit a white candle in the window and let it burn for nine weeks while they looked. But on November 27th, while hiking her property with friends, Dana Jeff... The smart lady who took her 12-year-old daughter to call police about Richard Davis being in her private drive found a pair of red tights in a clearing Um. by her house, not far from where the Ford Pinto had been stuck in the ditch, and the tights were knotted at the knee. Uh, I'm so glad that we're not on live right now, because I'm, like, sobbing. Yeah, it's... (laughs) I know, it makes you tear up. It makes me tear up, too. Uh. Um. She continued to look around the area and she found a knotted silky cloth and a dark man sweatshirt. That was inside out. She walked inside and called police, left a message, and then she called them again the next day because they didn't return her message initially. Are you serious? (laughs) I know. It's awful. The next day, they did get back to her, and Deputy Sheriff McManus came to her property to search it with Jaff. And they found an unrolled condom and the torn condom wrapper two feet away from the clothes, two pieces of strapping tape, an empty beer bottle, a six-pack Holder and a book of matches. McManus did not follow protocol because it was starting to rain, and he thought the evidence might be destroyed. So he put it in a box and he took it with him. And the next day, the FBI confirmed that the silky white cloth matched the silky cloths that were in Polly's bedroom that night. So Davis was arrested two days later, and Kate and Jillian both picked him out of the lineup easily.
0: so I'm assuming when they're scouring this, like, they're searching and, like, she tell i'm sure dana was like hey i freaking told you guys about this guy the night it happened there were that he was here the night it happened
1: well so dana had never seen him because if you remember oh that's right it's saw him the babysitter saw him so yeah because
0: when she went down there was no one at the car there was no
1: one there there was just a car so the police saw him um davis and remember that night they didn't know about Polly yet, not until the next day. Yeah. So it just kind of got brushed over as a, oh yeah, this guy got turned around. It was just a regular police run-in. And because they transposed his license wrong, they didn't know his name. And he had told they, them he had never been to jail, even though his record dated back to the sixties for many violent crimes.
0: And when they arrested him, it wouldn't have dinged that he was out there because they transposed the license. Yep. Lots of big mistakes just right like
1: there. A whole mess of things. So the November 28th is the day that they find Davis and they arrest him on the 30th. And that's the day that Kate and Jillian pick him out of a lineup. But Davis maintained his innocence for several days until December 4th, where he kind of finally admitted to what he had done and led the investigators to Polly's body. So we don't know. We don't know exactly what happened to her because the only person who does know doesn't want to talk about it. Richard Allen Davis explains the events of that day like this. He says that he went to find his mother in Petaluma to ask her for money, and he never found her. But he met a guy in the park that sold him a joint, and that joint, he says, was laced with PCP. So whatever he did after smoking the joint is foggy. He doesn't remember it. He blacked out. But that whole story is probably untrue because he had to pass a drug test with his parole officer the next day, and he passed it. Um, so, And also, yeah. people in the area, the witnesses not just Kate and Jillian, but several people in their neighborhood claim to have seen him around that neighborhood in the weeks leading up to her kidnapping. He says he did recall breaking into Polly's house through a window in the house. There was an open window and he climbed in and he heard the girls' voices in the bedroom. He says he remembers going in the room and tying the girls up, but then he blacks out and suddenly realizes that Polly's in the front seat of his car. Bullshit. (laughs) Right, yeah. Just comes to, oh no, who's... Uh was this 12-year-old girl. Polly oh, told him convenient. that her hands were going numb and she wanted to go home. But Davis drove around because he was confused about what to do. This is again, this is his story. He says he got lost on the road where his car eventually became stuck on Dana Jeff's property. He took Polly out of the car, unbound and ungagged, and left her on a nearby hillside. And Davis went through the whole debacle with the babysitter and the police, and he left but says he returned later and retrieved Polly. No. Yeah, I know. No. They asked him, like, why would you have taken her in the first place? And he says he doesn't know why he did it. It seems unlikely, right, that Polly would have just waited for him if she wasn't, she's not not tied or gagged up. And likely she was tied and gagged. And after the situation, Davis seemed to think that his only way to not go back to jail was to strangle her. He was asked if he raped her and his answer was... Not that I recall. I don't think so. Is
0: it possible that with him being as disheveled as he already was when the babysitter saw him that she was already dead? So, uh,
1: yes, it is possible. But it's likely that he killed her in that time between between the babysitter seeing him and the police getting there. Because the police noted when they came to find him because they had to pat him down, that his pants were wet. And Davis said, what the fuck are you doing? And they were like, hey, man, we're just doing our jobs, essentially. So that was his story. But now that he has admitted to it, he retraced his steps with a very specific police sergeant named Meese. He would only talk to this one guy because everyone else was like played hardball with him. But Meese was the only guy who played good cop, essentially, and it worked. So he went out there with all of these people and he stayed in the car and pointed them in the direction of Polly's body, just pointed to the area that she was. Polly's body was found mostly decomposed under a piece of plywood in a blackberry briar. Mm. Most of her body was a skeleton, and her abdominal cavity and soft tissues were gone. Her limbs had practically mummified and her skull was detached from her body. But oh. that was likely due to animal activity. The same with okay. her like soft tissues and stuff being gone because she was out in the wild. I mean, it was nine weeks. Yeah. yep. Her button-down shirt was open. Her legs were spread and her arms were in a position crossed across her waist. Her white miniskirt was pulled up to her armpits, but her underwear were still in place. However, FBI did examine underwear with a light source and determined that there could have been the presence of semen but after more forensic testing there was no semen detective or it could have just been degraded to the point where you could no longer tell yeah being out in the elements
0: for that long is especially if you're under things it would speed up the decomposition process yeah
1: um polly's hair was located separate from her skull and it had a braided rope and knotted cloth tangled in it. Her cause of death was unascertainable due to the condition of her body. Which, this is
0: where I have the issue with this case, because people can argue until they're blue in the face whether she was, you know, he had already murdered her by the time the police got there, or however they want to do it. But the it goes back to had... Good, solid police work been done at that time. Initially, yes. Yes. Her body would not have been out there for nine weeks. No, you may not have been able to stop what he did. But you would honestly, have known,
1: like, hey, I yeah, know who this was that night.
0: I do not think that... I do not think they would have been able to save her. But I do think they would have been able to give, one, her mom and her dad peace. Some closure. Because, yeah. And they would have been able to, like, say exactly what happened to her. Because She wouldn't have been out there for nine weeks. Yeah. Like, that is... I think of, like, my kids. And I think of knowing... I would never obviously I would never want anything to happen to them but being out in the elements like that like it's the worst it's the worst the worst way you could
1: possibly find a body let alone like a child
0: no I could never I could never and just like the whole it not going out on the right channel from the you know like them being on separate channels from beginning and it not being like a all because yeah, i think like,
1: hey we need to send uh, like how we have amber alerts now which is part yeah, of the reason we have them you know
0: i think when i like read about this case briefly like a, a long time ago i read that it was like um there's different it could have went out to like an all call which is like where it would go over every channel but it didn't it just went over the local channel instead of like be an all call for everyone so that's first mistake second mistake is the trans. You know, like transposing of the license.
1: Yeah, what? Well, and- like who? And just like checking. You know, like hey, you ever been to jail? Nope, never been to jail. Never done anything wrong.
0: Yeah, just like, out
1: here sightseeing at midnight.
0: Filthy, wet, gross, smelly. Like, yeah, smelly. Ob- and like, if you s- obviously like, sm- uh, it's just.
1: I hate it's inferior, this part of, isn't it?
0: I hate it for her family
1: and for her yeah, yeah
0: and not I go fair. no and like I go I go back to I I don't even know like I I go back to like yeah maybe there is a very solid chance he had already murdered her by the time the police got there that's very likely but they sh- they did not do a good job yeah, on there this. was
1: not <laughs> do justice. Is that the right way to say that? I don't know. Yeah, and
0: I know I try not to like shit on law enforcement too much because like I know how hard of a job it is. I mean, like my brother-in-law does it. I know like how cases, yeah. like how small things can happen. And I don't – for me to be like, okay, yeah, this was extremely mishandled. Yeah, I – she was failed. The justice – like the law enforcement system failed, Polly. They
1: did. So and there's no other way other to than. Like, Other than being unascertainable because of her decomposition, those knotted tights and the ropes in her hair pieces that they found did suggest that he did strangle her, which he said. And Davis, when he explained that he strangled her, he said it took forever. It took forever to strangle her. Felt like it was taken forever. And during his further questioning about sexually assaulting her, the investigators told him that they found semen on her, to which he replied, not in her though, right?
0: What a fucking...
1: I know. And they asked, how how could that have ended up on Polly? And Richard replied, look, I told you I wasn't in her. At least, at least I didn't try to stick my dick in a little girl. And he was concerned about being murdered in prison for being a child rapist. You know...
0: i've been trying so hard these past seven episodes to not drop the f (laughs) off. i've been consciously working on it in this case i've said it three times because i just cannot believe it yeah i cannot believe it i need oh god damn it in cases like this her dad needs 15 minutes alone with him dude
1: and her dad has been her biggest advocate and he has said like had it been he had it been up to him he would have put a bullet in his skull like straight up which also really like reminded me of yeah my i was dad. like that sounds very familiar <laughs> yeah to right me. um don't mess with people's daughters i guess don't um, mess with anyone's kids yeah don't mess with anyone let me kids, tell sorry. you so me, because so yeah. many people knew about Polly and the publicity this case had received, Davis's case had to be moved to several oh, different absolutely. places. But it ended up. There's no way. Yeah. like. It ended up landing in San Jose, but while they were looking for jury members in Sonoma County, it ended with pretty much every potential juror in the waiting room or waiting area discussing the case and jurors suggesting like Davis be castrated by means of rope and truck, Davis be murdered. Like No one was having it. Everyone was like, this guy is dead. And while
0: that is extremely true in all aspects, it makes it very easy for a defense lawyer to...
1: Yeah, yeah use that so once testimonies finally did get started in san jose witnesses i said in that area claimed that they had seen davis for several days and weeks prior to polly's kidnapping in some instances with another man and pointing at her house um which suggested that this was premeditated and there there are conspiracy theories out there that uh there's one that I can note that Eve and her, not Mark, the other ex-husband she had, which I haven't talked about, they tried to sell her in, like they tried to sex traffic her. That's unlikely. It's likely that he just stalked her and saw her. And when you couple that with the fact that Davis has already been in prison for sexual assault on women that were strangers that he didn't know and he stalked because he claims that voices in his head were telling them or telling him to rape them or to bludgeon them. Mm. (laughs) In addition to the fact that he didn't know Polly, Polly's parents weren't rich, so there was no ransom involved. All of these led everyone to believe that this case was sexually motivated and that Richard Davis had been stalking her for a time up to the abduction, especially since he came to the house with binding straps and he had made like a cloth hood that had been made in advance so the jury decided that he had planned a burglary and a kidnapping with a sexual motivation.
0: And it's scary to think about, but that's that's how it can happen. You can be walking down the street and not even realize that you have become the target of someone just by passing by. Yeah. And then that obsession becomes so overwhelming that they have to end up there so screwed up that they think in their head I have to act on this yeah and so maybe that was
1: he never said this about Polly but maybe those voices in his head that's what was happening was him saying that is is the one
0: it's that is that that's going to be a common theme whenever we discuss cases like this because a lot of times, that's what they—they're like, "Well, I saw." Her. Like I Ted saw Bundy her. Used I had to have, have her. Ted Bundy used to do that. Like he would obsess, and then that's when. Well,
1: Gillis did that too. He saw yeah, that one
0: girl jogging, and he stalked her for weeks. He drove around looking for her jogging again for weeks. Ugh. That kind of obsession is just—it's freaking disgusting. It's
1: yeah, Davis. It's that he said that because it, they said that he had a sexual motivation. He said that if he had assaulted her, he'd blocked it out because if he did something to her then he didn't want to know. And he
0: doesn't want the people at his prison to know yeah, what he did to Yeah, for someone willing girl. to
1: confess to the fact that he strangled a 12-year-old girl, he was completely unwilling to admit that he sexually assaulted her. Yeah. He was because only he only decided to kill Polly after he had kidnapped her to cover his tracks.
0: There is a big it is not an. It's not like it's a secret. You can go to prison and d- you could b- murder hundreds of people. You could be the biggest serial killer, and then as soon as someone in that prison finds out you had crimes against a child, it's over for you. Like it becomes, it's not a country
1: club prison at that point. You become someone's little bitch if you even make it that long. Yeah, I hope. I hope that she dies can, one day. But he's not dead yet, which we'll get to in just one moment.
0: (laughs) Do you okay, I'm gonna ask you this. And like I I have a really screwed up way of thinking. That's not a secret to anybody. But in my head, like whenever I think about your case and I think about Grenier, I like I'm like, you know what? I bet he's not having a good time. And it's it doesn't make it any better, but I'm like. So there were
1: rumors when Grenier initially went to prison. People had told my dad and like my parents that he had been he had to be like sent to the ER a couple of times. That he had like had essentially he had been beat up and like tried to take down. So I don't know if any of that is true, but I mean he can't put up a much of a fight. (laughs) (laughs) But those rumors definitely swirled after he went to uh, after he went to prison.
0: That's the sweet. Sometimes the justice system fails, like the actual judicial system, but this is where the sweet, sweet karma comes in because you may think you're a badass and you may think that, oh yeah, I did this. I have, I'm a pedophile. I have a thing for little kids, And then you get there and the man who has broken up fifty
1: minutes? Who's like a mafia boss? Who's like he's like yeah,
0: no, no, Uh, shanked.
1: Sweet, sweet karma. So this case, Polly's case, took two and a half years to get through for like several reasons. One, it took forever for them to find a place that they could have it.
0: Yeah, Um, I could see where that would be a big issue.
1: Yeah, prosecution also used victims. From any victim that they could find from Richard Davis's past crimes, they Ooh. they all testified against him to just show the jury that this is not a good dude.
0: Yeah, sucks to suck when you have a whole thirty years of
1: yeah. Being remember, he'd already sexually assaulted people. He'd robbed people. He'd robbed banks. Like
0: yeah, w- victim statements are some of the most powerful statements that can put people
1: away. So any single person that would talk about Richard Davis came and testified, and it took a while.
0: Because there's so many.
1: Yep. So he did get um, the death sentence. He did end up getting the death sentence. at the- So is he currently on death row? Well, <laughs> give me just a second. I'll tell you about it. At the end of the trial, Davis received... Notoriety because he double flipped off Polly's dad and grandparents and st- I have seen
0: these pictures yeah, and he
1: said that when he was walking Polly up the hill, she told him, Just don't do me like my dad to imply. Oh, okay.
0: So that is when we talked about this case at first, like and I was like, I'm you know, like I'm familiar with it, but I don't know like specific specifics. That is the one thing that stuck I with remember you? That I remember that that stuck with me because i read about so many of these just to, even before we did this podcast and that was the one thing because her dad was a great dad.
1: Yeah. He like charged
0: great dad. He straight yeah. up.
1: Like he had to be restrained by bailiffs because he just went after Davis in the courtroom after he said that. And, and I want to try,
0: um, I have heard this testimony. I know that it's out there somewhere. Um, I want to try to, we'll try and find it. And, because it is one of those, it is so, you have to, you have to hear it to believe that someone would have the balls to say that to a victim's dad. Yeah. And even the if judge, I can find the it. judge's
1: final statement was, Mr. Davis, this is always a traumatic and emotional decision for a judge, but you've made it very easy by your conduct today. And then dropped a death sentence on him. Yeah, I, he,
0: the smugness, there's, Pictures of him in the courtroom where he has this grin on his face. He's got – he's, you know, doing the – he's flipping off her family. And then he was like, you know, I didn't – I wouldn't have – talking about how he wouldn't have sexually assaulted her because he's like, she just kept saying, please don't do me like my dad did Mm -hmm. or my dad does. And I was like, you've got – I. I that's I didn't remember too many of the specifics, but that is the Dude, one thing because I had out. never I had never heard anything yeah. like that. And before. that
1: idea that Polly's dad would molest her is insane. He was obviously just being an asshole because he'd yeah. Enough. But Mark, her dad, Mark Class, became extremely dedicated to finding missing children. He still runs and works with yeah. a nonprofit that he started called the Polly Class Foundation that specializes in technology to find missing children. Like he is good. He's a good dude. Um, He just wanted to leave. When you say something in court, it
0: is forever on the record. It is forever. It's there. He wanted it.
1: He wanted, he wanted that to be out there. Yeah. He wanted that to be bigger than the actual case. It feels like. Yeah. So he didn't get his sentence until June, 1996. And that San Jose superior court jury convicted Richard Allen Davis of first degree murder, robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and lewd act on a child, and sentenced him to death by lethal injection. David Bye. is currently on death row at San Quentin State Prison in Marin County, California, and he has survived apparent drug overdoses while in prison, attacks on him by several other prisoners. He's in solitary confinement now, and he Continues to get appeals on this case and has more appeals ahead of him because he insists that he was framed by the police and that
0: no, if anything, he was helped by the police because they did a shit job. Yeah, but no, you were not.
1: Governor Newsom in California suspended death sentences, so Mark Klass, like indefinitely for now. Yeah, um, Mark because the a COVID hit. or just so the California governor. Has essentially frozen the death penalty and says it's fundamentally immoral. Um, so <laughs> essentially, as is, is establishing a moratorium on killing convicts on death row. And California has seven hundred and thirty-seven people on death row right now. What? So
0: I death row is the death penalty is a gray area for me I know because
1: I'm, I'm with you sometimes I'm like like absolutely they need it I
0: want them to have the death penalty but then there's cases like the Memphis three where he was on death like the three of them they were on like the one of the guys was on death row I mean and they were Innocent, Like, they were legitimately – they had been there since they were teenagers. Well, yeah, because they the were justice the system row.
1: is flawed. So if we are yeah, putting people and, on death row, we need to be 100%.
0: And that's why they're automatically granted appeals. But there are some very disgusting people who – deserve to be on death row and this sick person he is one of them that absolutely needs to be there and honestly sorry California throwing you out there had the justice system done their job from the beginning and stepped instead of kept giving him ways out every time he was in jail this would have never happened so don't spit in the face of her parents by saying nah we're not doing this that's ridiculous
1: yeah so (laughs) the day after Newsom california governor signed that moratorium on executions class mark class became viscerally angry with good reason yeah. okay he wants his eyes to be the last thing that rich davis sees when he's dying. because of his
0: daughter yeah yeah and they should be honestly save the state of california lots of money send mark in there and boom <laughs> problem solved
1: he said that you know all the victims families should have that expectation at one point that this that justice will be served you know Yeah I, and I'm not on like obviously there are exceptions but people don't go on death row <laughs> for for like robbing a bank
0: so yeah and this is one of the things that I, we'll touch on it again many times like that's one of my favorite things about the state of Louisiana because in the state of Louisiana, I can't remember the age exactly, um, but the state of Louisiana, any crime against a child is an automatic capital offense. Capital offense like, yeah. like a capital offense. There is a special place in hell, the pits of hell, for anyone who commits a crime against a child.
1: Yeah.
0: But situations like this is also why I'm like, yeah, put him if down. Some, if someone murders one of my children. They, they better hope that the cops find them first. Yeah, it's... Uh. Because I can guarantee I'm a better investigator than <laughs> most of the police officers, and I will find you.
1: Oh, They've been waiting since 1996, you know, and it's now 2020.
0: Well, and that's another problem. And I don't... I don't know the schematics of it. Why does it take so long? I know you get your appeals, but after you've exhausted your appeals, like stop dragging it out. You 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 did the crime. You do the time. Take any of those people on California death row who have, Had crimes against children. They've exhausted their appeals, line them up like a car wash and just put them out of their misery. Boom, boom, boom. Sign me up. I'll come do it.
1: How long does death row take if somebody is just like, yeah, I did it, and then accept it? But most prisoners spend well over 20 years on death row. Yeah, that's insane. And that's. So typically in the US, they spend at least a decade waiting. Running out all well, their appeals think, and requests for clemency.
0: So even if you plead guilty, I'm ninety percent sure you still get an appeal because it's the same. They have to make sure they're supposed to make sure that you're a hundred percent guilty before they take your life. Yeah, I'm yes, but I mean, and I guess the only good thing about Death it is, is hard is to I, undo.
1: So yeah,
0: and that's why I think that that's why it's such a gray area for me.
1: Also, we just but, did that case last week about (laughs)
0: just last week like he was innocent and had they sped up the process i mean sad for him
1: yeah he died anyways but
0: he died he died a month later anyways like sadly but i the only like piece i get from this is knowing that i have read so many like researches and like case studies that someone being in solitary confinement for year after year after year is the most terrible thing that can be happen to the human psyche. Like you are a human you is not crazy designed.
1: before. Just yeah, wait.
0: one of the guys from the Memphis Three, and that's a case I don't think we'll ever cover because it's just such a big case, and it's it, I mean look it up; it's on every podcast out there. But they, um, the I can't,
1: yeah, we made an agreement Memphis. not to do two part cases. For the, for the yeah and part. that's
0: and that's one that you physically cannot like you it, unless we sat I here for like six gigantic. hours talking about it <laughs> yeah we need two like, vhs
1: tapes we can't do it guys
0: i've never seen anyone cover that case in like one episode i mean there's it was such a big drawn-out thing but he was in solitary confinement because he had such a and it wasn't because of him he just he had such a horrible Time in prison, they had him s- almost like out of his own protection. But he has to wear like protective, like he has to wear these shaded glasses all the time now because his vision, like he couldn't see. Because you, ha- if you live in a box, like a six by six box, and you can't, or ten by ten, however big they are, oh, this and from your the eyes. Yes, I
1: got yeah, confused a little three, bit. Sorry. I got distracted. By sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> this
0: is the like this the guy from the Memphis Three. If he wears these like protective glasses, because I mean I don't give a shit about Davis. I hope his vision is bad. But if your eye is, like, consistently not focusing, like, not seeing different focus depths, you, you're, it shuts down. You cannot see. So, like, that's his issue. Yeah. So, I hope that all of the horrible talking to himself and yeah. brain Davis shutting down. The attorney,
1: they just, they did. They were like, he definitely killed her, but we're going to try to prove that he didn't commit a sexual... So, like... Every other part of this, he still would have been convicted for because they said he was guilty of it. Even his own defense said that. He just doesn't want that tag yeah, on him. Yeah, he just does Which is, like, prison. so crazy to me that somebody's like, yeah, I murdered him. But, ugh, it's so gross. It's because child
0: rape in prison is the number one thing that they will kill you for. Mess you up. And if you, if you think about it, say... I'm in prison and I have like five or six life sentences for unrelated, like for drug related murder charges or mafia, whatever. And this shithead comes in who's raped a child. What, what does it do for me? Like I have nothing to lose. And that's what a lot of these men think. They're like, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to take this person out. And it happens probably more often than we even know.
1: I'm glad I don't really want (laughs) to. (laughs)
0: <laughs> like oof oof i find peace like i sleep like a baby at night knowing that there's some person in prison right now who's committed horrible acts against a child just getting the, the shit kicked out of them
1: <laughs> yeah that did. It's like a bedtime now that story. you mention it <laughs> it's
0: it's like a bedtime story
1: poetry real poetry in motion so uh, i don't know if i have anything to f-
0: that's that's a rough case and i will tell you this every time you cover a child case like you're such a you're such a badass one i would never even be able to revisit revisit the trauma that you had one telling it in a public forum such as a podcast and two revisiting it over and over like like by bringing cases like this to us
1: again like we just have to accept that it happened and it wasn't the things that happen to us happen that doesn't mean there are faults we can grow from them They don't have to bog us down, even though they often do.
0: And, you know, gruesome life tip, like always, lock your windows, lock your doors. (laughs) Never leave your windows open. Oh, my
1: gosh. Please, please don't. We want all of you to stick around. Especially when you
0: have kids in your house. I'm not saying it's like any less awful if it's a house full of adults. But if you have your babies in your house, please do not leave your windows open to sleep or – I mean, I think it's one thing I like to, I crack like we have like the screens and stuff like during the day for like fresh air if like I'm around there. But do not go to sleep with your windows open like that because you never know, like we said, who has had their eyes on you or your children. And also look as mean as possible in public. That's what I
1: do. rbs i look as unapproachable and as rude as i possibly can and if someone tells you to smile you can kill them (laughs) and i'll I'll fully side with you
0: smile middle finger
1: eat shit Uh. (laughs) guy i think there's the
0: difference though because i work in a field where i work with a lot of elderly patients and that's just like their generation they're like oh such a pretty girl and i'm still like Get out of podcast mode and be nice to these patients and tell them instead of telling them to suck it because they told you to smile. Look, grandma, (laughs)
1: Oh man,
0: you don't know the things that I see and read on a regular basis. (laughs) Like I talked we talked about it. Oh, actually I don't think we were looking at a house and we just went to see it like a couple days ago. It's like this old nineteen twenties craftsman that they had like I didn't
1: know. Yeah,
0: so fun fact, we went to look at it. It turned out to be shit, so we didn't go get it. Like we didn't like even think about buying it, but the they had converted part of the garage into like a mother-in-law suite, and there were three doors to get into it. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what they were saying was like a fourth bedroom and like obviously we have so many kids so, you know we need a fourth bedroom but I was like okay so you want me to sleep in a room with three doors you want my kids to be in a separate area you want teenage boys to sleep in a room with three doors you want a teenage no this is not gonna work I this, this is a goes against,
1: bedroom in the garage yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> this goes against everything that I read like this is a and granted hard we live pass, in a friends,
1: c- hard pass
0: You can't even say, like, we live in a super, like, yeah, we live in a super safe community, but so did you. And, you know, that did not matter. It does not matter where you're at. All we're saying,
1: guys, be safe. Sorry, we got off on a little tangent. we try not to do that We do them often, at the end. Happens. Like, we don't do them at the beginning because yeah. we know it's annoying. When you- <laughs> and we're going to start seeing it. Like, people have listened to all but 5% <laughs> all of your five. Yeah, they listen to everything but the last 10 minutes because you guys are annoying at the end. Like, we know. We like it. Well, if you've stuck with us for this long, we appreciate
0: it. And please don't forget to go to our Instagram, at Gruesome Podcast. We have a super gnarly t-shirt design coming up that is like, ah, uh, Meg did the look. It's so dope like i keep looking at it and it's just awesome but you can when we get to 500 there's like a st- you know like like the page like the picture tag two friends that you like listen to this kind of stuff with but you're gonna win one of these t-shirts some super awesome stickers and you're gonna get to pick a case that we tag team which we don't ever do this will it'll we'll probably only do it for stuff like this we don't we don't tag team cases yeah because i don't know how life it's it's hard to
1: <laughs> it's hard it's gonna take us we already talk over each other when we're both doing this. But like, uh,
0: you guys don't hear that very often because we i edit that out but
1: <laughs> but i'm like
0: uh. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> and it's the awkward zoom kind of like uh, well but as soon as we get to 500 followers we're going
1: to give some stuff um, away.
0: yeah and who knows we may give a second third fourth place we're crazy you never know we're just we're gonna you never know. And then we're going to have some merch available here soon because we're working on that. And like I said, it's this design. We captured my heart and soul. (laughs) It captured it. It's so great. So that's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg.
1: We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at gruesome podcast.
0: Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com
1: and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your backseat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. Gruesome. Bye. Bye.